I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy information you need for the NBA, MLB, golf. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back. It is Bet LA and not a lot to bet on right now, but a lot to discuss. David Purdom joins us now. He's uh, works for ESPN, so co-worker of mine, sports betting industry reporter for all of us here at ESPN. David, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so great to have you on. I do want to ask you about the NBA Finals. We'll save that for last. More importantly, I, I, I wanted you to come on to the show uh, to talk about what happened with Isaiah Rogers, the cornerback kick returner for the Indianapolis Colts this week. And he was caught gambling and allegedly on his own team. Uh, with that being said, before we can really dive into the particulars here, give us the storyline. What do you know? What has unfolded here? Yeah, so a couple days ago, beginning of the week, um, there was a report that the NFL was investigating a Colts player for potential violations of the gambling policy. Um, When we kind of dug into it and looked into it further, uh, we were told from from people that were familiar with the investigation that it was Isaiah Rogers and that he had allegedly opened a betting account uh, under an associate name. And on that account, there had been dozens of wagers upwards uh, of a hundred wagers who were placed on that account. Uh, most of them were small bets, right? Twenty-five to fifty-dollar bet. There was one on there that was upwards of four figures in the low four figures range. But they had a lot of variety of them. Some of them were on player props. Some of them were on games, and some of them were on games involving the Colts. We don't know whether he was betting on or against the Colts, or if he was just betting on player props in those games. Uh, but there were some concerns. So uh, Rogers went on Twitter and released a statement and kind of apologized because I made some mistakes. The NFL is yet to weigh in on this case, and we're still kind of waiting that. So that's where we're at right now. So, so much I, I want to ask you about here. Like, so, okay, so so first and foremost, and, and again, Isaiah Rogers, Colts player, cornerback, sixth-round sixth pick. Um, allegedly, he made, you know, a hundred, if not more bets, a lot of them averaged anywhere between 25 to $50 from what I read. Um, you know, of course on, on ESPN.com, um, did it, and, and, and these bets were made, I guess, what through a friend or, or, you know, because, you know, obviously what do, what do these NFL players know what to do and what not to do? I, I'm sure they are all aware that they are not allowed to have a gambling account, so whatever wagering that did go down was through somebody else's name. So I'm very curious, how did they, how did they catch him if he was using somebody else's uh, account, whether it's a friend or a family member? 
Yeah, we don't know the details exactly how they caught them. Now, previous violators have been caught from geolocation. Uh, sports books have technology services that will ping them, okay, if a bet is placed at a uh, place where it's not allowed. Maybe it's out of state, a state that doesn't have legal betting, like in California or something along those lines. Or if it's at, that, at an NFL facility, uh, they're not allowed to bet at an NFL facility. So if a bet is placed at an NFL facility, that geolocation will ping it, and it will, counts will get flagged and they'll look into it further. Now, in NFL players, they're allowed to bet on anything except professional football. So they could go bet uh, on the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals this week, as long as they're doing it with a regulated sports book and they're not doing it on a team facility or while traveling with the team, that's okay. But you absolutely cannot bet on the NFL. And that seems a lot of people say, well, is the NFL not educating them properly enough? And NFL spends a lot of time trying to educate these guys. And I can understand some of the nuances being confused, but I don't know how much education do you really need to know that you shouldn't be betting on a game you're involved with. That is really dumbfounding to me. It it really is. Um, You know, and and, and I'm curious, and and maybe I need to do my own due diligence here in regards to to reaching out to the powers that be at the NFLPA and and find out what they're doing to educate these guys. Um, Because, again, this isn't the first time this has happened. As we know, Calvin Ridley, big time. Talk about, you know, again, with all due respect, Colts cornerback uh, wasn't necessarily a, a big time starter starter at all. Six round draft pick, but Calvin Ridley, David, as we know, a uh, big time wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons was suspended the entire year. He's, he's since no longer on the Falcons. He's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so he's expected to play this season, but like, you know, do these guys just feel like they, they can skate the system and that they'll never get caught. I, I don't, and, and then Jame, uh, Jamison Williams, of course, the, the wide receiver for the Detroit Lions uh, with other four other Detroit Lions players uh, who were wagering, not necessarily on their team, but wagering at the team facility. I, I just wonder, like, you know, are these guys just really ignorant or, or do they feel that they can skate the system? I can sort of understand how you could misunderstand the part about uh, not being able to place wagers while you're at the team facility. Maybe... You know, they, they, that education process, uh, training courses, we all go through on whatever job you're in. Uh, sometimes your kind of eyes glaze over as it through. So maybe, you know, you could understand how he missed that. He misunderstood it, and he placed the bet at a team facility. What I cannot understand, and I just said this again, I just want to reiterate this, how in the world do you not understand that you should not be betting on a game that you're involved with? That you know, I don't still think you need much education. Your brain, your heart—that that tells you exactly that you should not be doing that. And that is, of course, against NFL rules. So uh, we're waiting to see what the NFL does. Um, anybody that has been found to bet on the NFL has been suspended at least one year. Uh, they are allowed to apply for reinstatement here. Uh, we'll have to see what they do with Rodgers. Again, David Purdom joining us here, uh, really giving us some insight in, in regard to, to, to how this is all going down. Uh, do you feel like like we know how serious this is for the NFL and for Roger Goodell, um, you know, for Calvin Ridley to be uh, suspended for an entire season? If this holds true and it is proven that this Colts player not only wagered but wagered on his own team, David, do you think that he will be um, n- never allowed to, to play in the NFL again? Do you feel that that's the precedent 
that uh, Roger Goodell needs to set because of the, the severity of, of what he did? I think it's certainly among the uh, options here that we're looking at, certainly on the table, a serious, serious punishment, one that exceeds some of the ones we've seen, certainly seems to be uh, potentially here. Um, this is, in many ways, the NFL's worst fear when it became uh, evident that sports betting was going to start spreading across the U.S. You know, we have upwards of 35 states now that have legal sports betting markets, and the NFL was worried that, you know, if our players start to bet and it becomes public and it, it, it tarnishes the integrity or at least the perception of the integrity of the game, that's no good. and We don't want that. The other side of that is, though, this is kind of what the regulated system is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to identify these things. I think we'd all be pretty naive to think that none of these players or no NFL players had ever been betting before legalization. I, I doubt that's true. But if they were betting – Maybe they're betting with an offshore sports book or your local bookmaker down the street, and you're not going to be able to see that action and that money. So by doing this in the regulated market, more eyes are on this right now. The NFL has more visibility uh, than it ever has in regards to the bets on their games right now. So in a way, this regulated system is working. NFL doesn't want these things to happen, but maybe we're catching it. Maybe the players will learn their lesson here. Uh, I hope so. Um, again, you know, probably obviously Calvin Ridley being suspended last year for Atlanta, Jameson Williams, high expectations for him, high draft pick for the Detroit Lions. He's going to be suspended six games. Um, so, so hopefully, uh, they will, they will have learned their lesson because, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's, as we know, David, right. Gambling is, is only growing. It's becoming more and more prevalent in more and more States and, uh, in, in more accessibility for a lot of these NFL players, especially in these NFL cities, uh, in in order to partake in that. Hey, before we let you go, let's talk about the NBA Finals are in action. As we know, Denver, uh, they are up uh, 2-1 in this series. They've got uh, Game 4 happening in Miami. Uh, let's talk about the NBA Finals. La- the, the game 3, I saw you had, you had placed on your, on your social media, $2.75 million somebody placed on Denver winning Game 3, laying the 3.5. Also, somebody wagered $750,000 for Denver to be up in the first half, uh, only lane one. So uh, some big time winners in game three. How, how are the books doing so far in the NBA finals? Well, I think they probably took it on the chin yesterday. That point spread moved a little bit from the nuggets being favored by two and a half all the way up to three and a half. Uh, So that was probably money, Uh, moving that line a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got beat yesterday. I think game two was probably good for the books after uh, uh, Denver was such an impressive win in game one, Miami coming back, coming back into that game and winning. Um, I'm sure that was good. You know, the futures price on this for the series has really kind of grown back and forth. Uh, Denver was only about a minus 250, 275 favorite, somewhere in that range after the game two loss when the series had tied 1-1. They win pretty convincingly last night, looked pretty impressive. Now they're all the way up to minus 800 favorites again uh, at Caesars Sportsbook. So uh, Caesars, uh, the, the series price is really kind of moving up and down as they go. Denver looks impressive right now. I think it's going to be hard for the books to get some money on the heat, and they're going to be looking for it. Uh, before we let you go, um, you know, it's so funny. I don't know about you, David, but like for me, Father's Day is the line of demarcation where all of a sudden I feel it's like fast forward football's here. 
Um, and, and I was reading, there's a lot of uh, futures bets out there that have already been placed on a lot of people loving the Chicago Bears, right? Like a lot of bets placed on Justin Fields winning the MVP. What, what are some of the top futures bets have already been placed in the NFL so far this offseason? Yeah, there has been a little bit of buzz about the Bears, and there's another one in that NFC North right there, the Lions. We just talked about with Jamison Williams. Uh, they mm-hmm. had a impressive finish to the end of the year last season, uh, and now they're garnering a lot of support. Of course, you got some early money on the Jets with all the Aaron Rodgers buzz that was back and forth, people trying to get ahead of that line, too. So, uh, you know, the Jets, uh, the Lions, and, and the Bears are three of the more popular bets right now, which are all kind of long-shot underdogs, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's again, the NFL season is going to be here before we know it. Uh, David, again, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. Uh, Really, really interesting storyline. Interesting to see how this is all going to play out. What happens? uh, Really, the onus now, obviously, on the NFL to do their due diligence, do their research, find out exactly what what went down here. And again, if, in fact, Isaiah Rogers did gamble on his own team, I would not be surprised if uh, he will be banned from ever playing again in the NFL. I mean, I think that's the precedent uh, that Roger Goodell needs to set. We'll see. Only time will tell. David, thank you so much. You got it. Thank you, Anita. You got it. David Purdom joining us here. Uh, some insight on uh, it's, it's a problem. It's a, not just the NFL. It's a problem across the league, right? You play in the NFL. You cannot gamble. And you specifically cannot gamble on your own team. Still a lot more coming your way. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. That's right, Anita Marks with you. Um... Again, not really, not a lot going on right now. Not a lot uh, that you could wager on. Are you guys? Are you guys watching the French Open at all? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not believing that. Come on. <laughs> that was not convincing. I'm gonna go with no, um, not even a little bit. So, so tomorrow, bright and early, because it's 8:45 East Coast time. So, what is that? 5:45 a.m. Who? It's early. Uh, you have uh, Carlos Alcaraz, Alcaraz uh, um, going up against uh, jo- uh, Djokovic. Um, you could wager that Djokovic is going to win that match at plus 175. Uh, this is an opportunity because Nadal's not playing. This is an opportunity for him to surpass Nadal as winning the most majors. Um, 
on his own clay court. <clears throat> no pun. So uh, there's that. Uh, I do. <laughs> I can't pronounce these dudes' names. Um, is it is it Zevrev? Z- Zevrev? Do do you even Sounds know? Sounds good to me. Okay, we're just gonna roll with that. <laughs> um, I like him winning tomorrow off to, uh, um, against Casper Rude. Rude or Rudd? Yeah, we're we're not. This is this is not. People are like, why am I going to take this chick's advice and wager when she doesn't even know how to pronounce these names? Yeah, you know what? I I probably wouldn't either uh, if I were you. But um, <laughs> um, so so we've got we've got two two men uh, their matches tomorrow morning. I'm trying to see when the uh, when the ladies when the ladies play uh so yeah that's uh the the odds are that's come and gone so um but that's how i would roll in in regard to the french open um if you could i think it's it's interesting that uh, the tennis joker quote unquote because now we've got a joker in basketball um you're getting plus 175 for him to win tomorrow. He typically does very well on the big stage. That's for sure. Uh, by the way, again, if you're just uh, tuning in, the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights all tied up at two. So they are into extra periods. They are into OT, baby. All tied up at two. This is, I think, don't you guys think this is, this, I, Panthers are down. Oh, two in the series. Uh, th- this is this is definitely a must-win must game for them. Must-win game, definitely. It would be remarkable uh, if we had the Western Conference Finals, the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Stanley Cup Finals all go down to a three-nothing matchup. Uh, coming up on the show, Jimmy Hanlon is going to join us. Uh, we completed day one of the Canadian Open. Uh, that's taking place in Toronto. So uh, what does that look like moving forward? How to wager on that? Also, we'll uh, we'll do another sneak peek preview and who Jimmy likes heading into the U.S. Open, coming your way, L.A., L.A. Country Club, next week for the U.S. Open. And uh, and we're getting you ready for the Belmont. It's the final stage. It is, uh, it, and it's it's a doozy. It's the long one. It's a mile and a half. So uh, it's, I'm going to be, I'm actually, I'm actually going to go out to, you guys aren't going to go out to the U.S. Open. Okay. I'm going out to the Belmont. Okay. I'll be at the Belmont on Saturday. You're so allowed to you'll, go to the Belmont? I'm allowed. Okay. That's, what a Unlike relief. Rebecca. <laughs> I, I am allowed. Uh, before we take our next break, I, I do want to talk some NFL with you. Uh, two big pieces of, of news this week. Number one, Dalvin Cook released by the Minnesota Vikings. What does that mean? I'm going to be looking at the Kirk Cousins overpassing yards uh, this this season. He's top 4,000 yards the last three seasons. Uh, he also ranks in the top 10 in uh, passing grade, adjusted completion percentage, uh, yards per attempt, and accuracy. And I think without Dalvin Cook there and them going out and drafting um, Jordan Addison, I think I think Cousins is going to be passing the ball a ton. So right now I would jump on the over passing yards for Kirk Cousins. Also, I really do like the Detroit Lions to win that division. Also, DeAndre Hopkins is going to pop in and have a visit, a cup of coffee with the Tennessee Titans. I don't care. I'm all over the Jags, right? 
Love the Jags this season. Love Trevor Lawrence. Second year under Doug Peterson. And uh, don't forget the Jaguars went 7-2 and their last nine games last year. And they beat the Tennessee Titans to win the AFC South. So regardless, even if the Tennessee Titans do sign DeAndre Hopkins, I'm still all over the Jags to win the AFC South. Quick break. We come back. Like I said, let's talk some golf, getting you ready for the Canadian Open round two tomorrow right here on 710 ESPN. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. All right, it is time to get you ready for the remainder of the Canadian Open, and we are going to start looking ahead to the U.S. Open taking place right here in your own backyard at the LA Country Club. Jimmy Hanlon joins us now. He's got his own golf show all over the airwaves, radio, TV, you know he does it all, and he's great as he joins us quite frequently right here on 710 ESPN. Jimmy, good evening. How are you doing? I'm surprised you invited me back on after I gave you Jason Day last week to win the Memorial, and he missed the cut. I, mean, I was like, <laughs> there were a lot of Stop. people in Ohio not very happy with me last week, I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, listen, but but listen, I, listen, I, I did full full transparency. I put money down on him because of what you told me. But it made sense. Yeah. You know, you want you yeah. want to think a guy, you know, he's playing in his own backyard. This is his club. This is his track. He's got to know it better than anyone else. Uh, you would imagine, especially the season that Jason Day has been having, that, um, you know, that, that he was going to at least make the cut. So it, it's all good. It happens. Uh, but <laughs> how about this? How about Hoblin winning uh, in a playoff, uh, which was huge? And then how about this? How about the next day he goes and he caddies for one of his college buddies who's trying to make the U.S. Open. Isn't that funny? I, now, I didn't see where his college buddy played. I'm assuming he played at Columbus Brookside, and Columbus Brookside, actually, I played it uh, when I was at the Memorial. That day that I had talked to you on the on the air last week, I played Columbus Brookside, and it was like playing in the U.S. Open. I'm not going to lie to you. It was rough, was high, greens were fast, so I'm sure Vic had a tough time there uh, reading the greens, I, I could promise you, because it, uh, it was a difficult golf course. But but how impressive is that? He wins the memorial in a playoff, and then at eight o'clock, I'm sorry, seven a.m. the next morning, he's on the tee box with his best buddy on his bag, helping him caddy to help his best buddy make. It's just what a mensch. You got you you really got to like Hovland after hearing that oh. story. Um, you know, another thing, good people, Anita in golf. I mean, I don't know if you saw Tony Finau after he won about a month ago out there 
playing with his kids and caddy and like two or three hours later. It's just, it's just golfers are good people. It just is what it is, you know? Not all of them, but, but yes, but, <laughs> but not all of them, Jimmy. We know that, uh, but we'll keep that to ourselves. But yes, you're, you're absolutely right. There are quite a few good eggs in this batch. Uh, another thing that stood out to me after the memorial is, is Scotty Scheffler. This is unbelievable. Minus eight and a half strokes this week in putting, but plus 20 in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, this is why he's 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 averaging finishing in the top five in every tournament that he plays in, just because his flat stick is just god awful. Could you imagine if he gets it right? Well, I would think right. I mean, I think it's about time. I think when Scotty started putting bad, you know, you you rack it up to hey, you can't roll it good all the time, and he'll find it again. Obviously. He's, He's found it well enough to win major championships or whatever. I think we're at about time right now where he goes and, and he sees Brad Faxon or one of these great putting gurus and really just starts to work on not just the stroke, but really the mental side of it, the setup and everything like that. So I would be shocked if, if we didn't see Scotty, uh, you know, finding himself a putting coach here in the next, you know, 30 days uh, because it's, it's it has to be in his head right now. I mean, you know, I teach golf, teaching golf for a living for 35 years, and I've seen guys that are just the best putters I've ever seen on a golf course. And then the next time I play with them, it's just gone. And it has nothing to do with their putting stroke or their technique. It's it's really just their their whole mental side to it and the approach, you know, to the putts. He'll he'll get it worked out, but I think he might need a little help. I, uh, I I played yesterday at Liberty National, um, and of course, a big shout out to uh, Rosang, uh, who won with her LPGA debut out there at, at Liberty National, and 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 I was blessed to be invited to come out there, and uh, I, I played that track. They were it was interesting. You you've been there, Jimmy, right? Where like you're playing, and they're they're starting to to you know tear down you know the grandstands and everything. It was it was like that, but I was playing out there with one of my favorite caddies. His name is Goose. Man, I, I could sink every putt when I've got a caddy who's been caddying a course for for 15 years, who knows every blade of grass, who tells me, putt here, let the ball die there, and sure enough, it goes in. That's all you need, right? I mean, it helps, right? It helps. There's no doubt about it, a little knowledge. Uh, but, you know, it really what it is, and it sounds like what you had the other day, is really just you get a little confidence. You see the first one fall in the hole, and it seems like when that first good putt falls in the hole, you know, it's like you feel like they're all going to fall in that day. And that's – Scotty needs that, right? We need to see Scotty Scheffler in the U.S. Open, you know, shoot five under par day one and, and really just see a bunch of putts fall in. And then I think once that happens, uh, it, that could turn everything around for him. All right, so uh, let's let's preview what's going on with the Canadian Open. Oakdale uh, near downtown Toronto, six of the last seven winners, not Americans. Uh, Parkland-style course, bent grass on the greens. Uh, the Wells Fargo tournament is a good indicator. Those who do well at Wells Fargo, for whatever reason, do well here. Uh, I, uh, I liked Rory coming in. And, um, and also, I, I put some coin on Corey Connors to finish in the top 10. I also liked the gala as well as Hatton. And sure enough, Canadian. And how about this? This is interesting. Um, Corey Connors is hoping to become the first Canadian to win this tournament since 1954, Jimmy. 1954. He's at the top leaderboard right now. Uh, of course, there's four guys that are tied for the lead. Datagoff gives him a 10.8% chance of winning. What are your thoughts on Corey Connors being at the top of the leaderboard right now? 
Well, I'm, I'm a big Corey Connors fan, and I've got a little coin on him myself and Tyler Pendrith also. And because they're both Canadians and they both played for Herbie Page right here at Kent State University, which is about 30 minutes from, from my golf course here where I live. So I'm always rooting for those guys because they're golden flashes and they're right down the road from, from me here. And I figured, you know, how can you not bet two Canadians in the Canadian Open? Uh, you know, and they both played college golf together. How about that college team? But, uh, um, yeah, I like both of those guys. You know, they've both obviously probably played a lot of golf at this golf course. And just, you know, here's the thing, right? You're, just, you're seeing Canadian weather there right now, right? These guys are wearing jackets in the middle of, you know, in the middle of June or early mid-June right now up in Canada. And it's uh, they're catching a little bit of the weather that those Canadian guys are used to all the time. So two good picks. But I love Corey Connors. Great, great ball striker. Just keeps getting better every year. You know, Anita, I think Corey Connors is a guy that we need to watch in majors going forward because he just has an overall really solid game, and he hits fairways, right? He drives the ball in the fairway, which is key in major championships. And and I think Corey's going to be somebody we're going to be bringing up a lot over the next, you know, five to ten years. So are you – I guess my question to you is do you – are we going to double down? On, on Corey Connors moving forward because, you know, also you got you got Rory not too far behind as well. And, and I just want to call up here. So um, Data Golf gives Matthew Fitzpatrick a 10.9% chance of winning after round one. Corey Connors at 10.8. Rory is uh, one under, so he's four shots back. But Data Golf gives him a 5.5% chance of winning. Yeah, I don't – you know what? I I don't love Rory right now, right? And I, Nothing against Rory. I mean, listen, I'm an Irish guy, man, right? I'm a fan. But Rory's got too much going on right now, right? He's just got too much going on. He's, you know, he's not being asked about his golf game in press conferences. He's being asked about live. I mean, he's even said it. This has affected him, right? This has definitely affected him in his golf game. And and so now it's even worse. Uh, You know, he's got, you know, him him and Tiger have their venture that they're in together that's I don't know how that's going to work now that Liv's a part of the PGA Tour. And then you got, you know, all the Liv questions, and he really seems to be the guy that got kind of, you know, I don't know, misled and taken in this whole thing. So I think it's tough to play good golf and win when it comes to that. And that's why I'm not really – I just really don't like Rory this week, and I don't like him next week either in the Open. I just think it's a tough thing to handle for, for a guy like him. And he's emotional too. Well, Rory's the – he's like all us Irishmen. You know, we can't keep our emotions in, you know. So he's – I think this has been rough on him, and I think he's got to get it behind him before he starts winning tournaments. Well, he did say that he felt he was a sacrificial lamb, that's for sure. Um, earlier on the show, we had Jeff Hall on, giving us a U.S. Open preview at his golf course, the L.A. Country Club. Uh, before we let you go, we've got to get your thoughts. Uh, heading into the uh, the U.S. Open, what are some of the metrics that you're looking at? What do you feel these guys need to have in their bag in order to win, and and who do you fancy coming in? I'm not super familiar with L.A. Country Club. I've never played that golf course before. Um, But, you know, obviously I would assume, you know, I'm going to assume Poana Greens. I'm going to assume, you know, typical West Coast-styled golf course. I do have some friends that are members there, but I've never been out there to play. Um, You know, it's funny. I think more than South, Anita, I think more than South, I think more than, than Midwest, I think more than... You know, the you know up in the Cape Cod area, I think if West Coast golf is an advantage if you grew up on the West Coast. I really do think that. I think that these guys perform out there better because they understand those Poena greens and just the way that the, the golf courses play. And in the country, I think that West Coast is 
is the most. And saying that, even though I just talked about how much Rory has going on, you know, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and tell you that he's going to win a golf tournament, but I think you got to watch for Phil. Phil plays great on the West Coast, right? I think, you know, if you're a top 10 better, you know, I think you're going to get great odds on Phil. And uh, I think I think he, I think you got to watch a little bit for Phil. But for me, I just actually did my – I do this uh, major championship poll every week before I even put in my, my bets for the year. And I just have I, – I looked at it over and over and over again. A player, A player. Do I, do I like John Rahm? Do I like Scotty Scheffler? Do I like Jordan Spieth? And I just couldn't get off of Brooks Kepka. I just could not get off of Brooks Kepka. He just he just playing so well with so much confidence, and and I just gosh I just I, I, it's hard for me to to go against him right now and and you know a second in the Masters and a first in the PGA and just really just was pretty flawless in the PGA and I just see him getting better not worse and when you get better that's tough to beat. Absolutely, um, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Always great having you on. Uh, really do appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, Jimmy Hanlon joining us here on uh, on Bet LA. We go from golf to the ponies. That's right. We're getting you ready for the third leg of the Triple Crown, the Belmont Stakes next. Mark DiLorenzo from Getty Up joins us right here on Bet LA, 710 ESPN. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. All right, it is time to get you ready for the Belmont Stakes. It is the third and final leg of the Triple Crown. That's right. And Mark DiLorenzo, giddy up, baby, joins us now as he has uh, throughout the uh the horse racing season mark good evening how you doing anita giddy up happy <laughs> belmont stakes day belmont stakes eve we are at the third leg of the triple crown which happens to be my favorite race of the year and uh i am extremely excited for a easily the best card of racing 13 races at belmont on saturday easily the best card uh, so far this year, 2023, maybe of the entire year. Uh, it's an incredible day of racing with incredible horses. I think there's eight graded stakes races with the grade one Belmont Stakes is race 12 on Saturday, where I kind of going to make a huge bet on a specific horse that I've been waiting to bet in this race for about six months now. So there's only a couple hours left, it feels like. I know. Um, you sound like you're a kid at Christmas. So, I'm excited again. Um, you know, I'm here in New York. Belmont takes place here in New York. I'm going to be out there. Mark's going to be out there. It's going to be a fun, 
afternoon. First and foremost, let's uh, let's address uh, let's address the weather and uh, in, in all that's happening here in this area. Again, uh, the unfortunate our hearts go out to all the folks out there in, in Canada that are dealing with these wild fires, uh, but they have now seeped into New York City. Um, and it has been absolutely horrendous. You know, we have been instructed to stay inside. We've been instructed to not, even our pets, uh, we've been instructed to keep our pets inside. And so it's kind of been touch and go in regard to will the Belmont take place? Obviously the horse and their health comes first. That is significant. So uh, the, uh, was it uh, the, the governor, right? The governor came out today and said that the air quality, um, if the air quality is anywhere between 150 to 200, the horses have to be checked by a veterinarian before they've been given the okay to go. And, uh, and, and if it's below 150, then all, all is safe and everything will go according to plan. And tomorrow we're expected to be below 150. So that's an indication that we are very hopeful and optimistic that come Saturday, things will be just fine. Right, Mark? Yes. Yeah, you said you said it all right there. They came out with an announcement today, just having a little bit more of a guideline, which is great. I think that it just you it, it really just can't be stated enough that this sport is about these beautiful animals. And I think that horse racing takes, you know, it takes its fair share of knocks, which is deservingly so. But I don't like any no, there aren't many people out there that are closer to what's going on with these people that are owning training running these racetracks, I, I know a lot of them. And the, the quality and the care that we're taking care of these horses is through the roof. If they're, the air quality in New York yesterday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, was just horrific. They canceled racing at Belmont on Thursday. And since Wednesday, it's only gotten better. If they feel that the air quality is not at a level where it should be, from these guidelines that they just put out a couple of hours ago, they can move the race. There's a lot of people don't remember that this is uh, the 50th anniversary of Secretariat, you know, breaking the track record and running probably the greatest race of all time in the Belmont Six 50 years ago to win the Triple Crown. Uh, they moved the race from Saturday to Sunday because of a huge rain that Saturday. So it's not unprecedented. Will they move this race Saturday to Sunday? This I don't think so. I think everything's going to be in the clear. But uh, the, the amount of care that is going after and the look after these horses is – is unprecedented, and it, we have to put the horses first. And if they feel that it's not going to be the day, if they feel that the air quality is not, you know, good enough to run on Saturday, they might move the races to Sunday or maybe next weekend. But I would say sitting here from my chair as we talk right now, I would say there's probably a 95% chance that they run on Saturday. And I will be there, you will be there, we're going to print some money, and we're going to make a big bet and win uh, in the Belmont Stakes. And here, here, here we are. Like, let's let's go. Giddy up. Yeah, I'm from excited. your from your from your from your mouth to the uh, the gambling uh, god's ears. All right. So with that being said, let's do a deep dive again. Uh, it is the Belmont Stakes. It is the Test of Champions. Why it's a mile and a half. So it's a huge reason. It's a, it's a huge part of handicapping this, folks. Is is the fact that this is the longest uh, stretch as opposed to the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. So with that being said. Before we start breaking down the horses that you like, talk about Tappet because I think it's I think one of the biggest storylines here is that there are nine horses that are going to be racing on Saturday at the Belmont. Six of the nine have some type of bloodline flowing through back to Tappet. Uh, kind of explain that for the folks listening, Mark, please. 
Yeah, so I like to talk about uh, horse pedigree in a very simple form, uh, like talking about us as individuals and humans. You know, there were – these horses are still very young. These are three-year-old horses that are running in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, when we were in high school, junior high school, there were certain kids that were developed that had facial hair and huge muscles and they could run fast, jump higher than everyone else. I was not one of those athletes. Let's just get that out there. But there were those guys that were out there that looked like they could be playing college sports in ninth grade. Very similar thing here with horse racing. You're going to get a sire, a father, and son. you're looking for a horse that's going to develop earlier on because this is, I would say, kind of like late high school, early college years of a horse's life when they run the Kentucky Derby, Preakness, Belmont Stakes. Tappet, the sire of two of the nine horses, also the sire of another four of the other, of a total of nine horses, the father of the dam, the mother of the horses running. This horse gets horses to develop early, and they like, they are big, long, strong type horses that just, that's exactly the type of animal you're looking for uh, to win the Belmont Stakes. Tappet has had a lot of success with horses that have won the Belmont Stakes, and it's kind of now become more of a, a known kind of quantity that these these guys are now buying a lot more tapet-sired horses for this specific race. And that's what you have with a couple of horses here. So, again, like you said, six of the nine horses have some type of tappet bloodlines. Uh, the ones that don't, I kind of look at and I go, all right, you know, are they going to be able to get this 12 furlong distance? The Kentucky Derby is 10 furlongs. You're going in extra two furlongs around big, wide-sweeping moves big wide sweeping turns uh it's it's a it's a unique race because it's the only time they'll probably ever run a mile and a half so you're going to want to use as much information as you can to make an educated guess to make an investment to make a wager and one of the big things that i like to look for are the bloodlines are is the sire who's the sire's who's the the damn sire and the over the last 10 years (laughs) i don't know the exact amount of times but i would say probably five or six times there have been at least some type of trap of bloodlines within the winner of this Belmont Stakes. So a lot to consider there, considering horse number one is called Tappet Shoes and horse number two is Tappet Trice. So, so with that being said, uh, why don't you share with us, I know there's about, uh, what, one, two, th- I, there's about four or five horses uh, that you fancy here. Who's your number one that you feel you've got true conviction is going to win this, Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm making a, a really big bet on Saturday, uh, and it's going to be on number two, Tappet Trice. Uh, Tappet Trice is sired by Tappet, kind of hence the name. Uh, this horse is the perfect physical for uh, a Belmont Stakes type winner. I've had a lot of success in this race kind of identifying that. I'm not really coming at you with something that's too, too creative. But when this horse ran for its first time on November 6, 2022, going a mile in Aqueduct, I kind of circled this horse and said, this is, this is going to be a special horse. This is someone that has talent that's going to want to go a longer distance. And he came back and won December 17th of last year. And I said, wow, this horse has got a lot of talent. And since then, it's run four times, and it has improved each time. And back in April 8th, which is the Bluegrass Stakes, the prep leading into the Kentucky Derby, he showed him uh, a new level. He kind of, he, he was very good and he improved to somewhere I would say is a, one of the best horses in the country. And he showed that he has, was able to become a little bit more tactical. And he showed that Belmont long, lengthy 
grinding type, not getting tired type of animal, type of physical that you want to see. So what happens? You know, when you win a race like the Bluegrass Stakes, you're going to run in the Kentucky Derby. It's the most prestigious. It has the most uh, money value from a sire and breeding perspective. So they were going to run the horse in the Kentucky Derby, though the horse's physical attributes don't necessarily meet exactly what which I'd like to bet in the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby this year was won by a horse named Mage. Mage, if you remember the race, showed very nice push-button, as I like to call it, acceleration, where it could kind of swing out, make one move, and make one big kind of sweeping move around the turn, gets to the front of the pack at the top of the stretch, and kind of and, and, and finishes well in the Kentucky Derby. Nine times out of ten, that's what you see when the Kentucky Derby. Two years ago, you saw Rich Strike come from the clouds while you got the fastest pace in the history of the Kentucky Derby for them to do that. But that's the type of move that usually wins the Kentucky Derby. Angel of Empire was a horse that kind of had that move. His problem was that he made that move a little bit too late and Mage got that run first. Where Taffetrice never had a chance in the Kentucky Derby with his style. He broke slower. He was down on the inside. He was 17 lengths back. He made a nice little move to show me that he's healthy and he's in the right form in the Kentucky Derby, but he ran seventh. Oh, some people are going to say, all right, well, he ran seventh, nine lengths behind Mage, you know, six lengths behind Angel of Empire. Maybe he's not that good. But I don't look at it that way, and that's, I think, a feel is a big trap. I want to look at this as a whole fresh slate. This is the type of race of, from his physical attributes. He's going to want the big turns, 12 furlongs at Belmont. He's training great. They've been pointing to this race since the day that he first ran on November 6, 2022. I wouldn't say that three to one is, you know, the greatest price in the whole world that you could ever bet on a horse, but that's a pretty good price. You've got the uh, Kentucky Derby favorite in the race, and you also have the Kentucky Derby morning line favorite, Forte, who had the scratch. I think those two horses will take enough money where you're going to get some value in Tapatrice, and he's my one big bet of the day, and I'm going to be able to try to single into this horse and pick fours, pick fives, and the pick six. Bet the horse to win. I really like this horse. I've been waiting to bet this horse for months now, and uh, Saturday's my time. All right, let's end the show strong. As always, I like to tell you, hold my hand, take me to the window, help the people win some money. How are you placing this bet at the window come Saturday afternoon? Yeah, so as I like to, as I always like to say back to you, you know, my father always kind of taught me, and this goes for all types of gambling, and any gambling in life, and in any investment, stocks, or if you're going to be betting on the, the Sunday night football game, at a certain point, you're not betting the team or the horse, you're betting the odds. If I can get 2-1, to 5-2, to 3-1 to one on tap of trice, I'm betting this horse to win. I'm that confident in that 5-2, to 2-1, two, two to one, I feel is still a very fair value. If this horse, for some reason, goes up at 3-5, to five, then I have to take a step back and say, all right, what am I actually looking at here? Is there still is there any value left at three to five? And there's going to be minimum. So actually my bet will, size will actually kind of decrease because I'm not going to be getting the same amount of value. But let's just say that the morning line odds is three to one, maybe five to two is where we are. I'm betting this horse to win. Uh, in exactus, trifectas, superfectas, I don't like to box horses around and, you know, kind of spread out, as I know some people do. If you're a player that you bet the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, you know, those are kind of your one or two horse bets a year. I would recommend maybe taking three or four horses, boxing them around. But if you play in a lot of races, you play every weekend like I do, and I know a lot of people who follow me on giddyupbets.com do, I like to play horses on top and press your strongest opinion and try to print money 
I'll use Tapa Trice on top in the in the one slot in Exactas and Trifectas. And then underneath, I'm interested in three or four horses to finish behind Tapa Trice. Those would be number one, Tappet Shoes. Again, sired by Tappet. I think he's going to go the difference. He's a half to a horse named Cyberknife, which if you remember last year in the Triple Crown, his half-brother had a lot of talent. This horse did not run through the Triple Crown prep races. I always find value in that, where he's kind of developing a little bit slowly. He's come along. He ran a very nice race where he pressed a fast pace early on. Uh, last time out at Oakland, he was the only horse on the front end to last. Just missed to the horse in this race, number nine, Red Route 1. Number nine, Red Route 1 is the type of horse that I would like to use in the third or fourth slot in Trifectas and Superfectas. He's going to want to come from way back there. He's gonna, The longer the distance, the better for this horse, and he's going to get the longest distance ever. Uh, I just don't know if he's on the same quality level as Trice. So, again, that's a horse I would like to use underneath in the third and fourth slot. Number eight, Angel Umpire, who was your Kentucky Derby morning line favorite. I believe he will be favored in this race. Uh, I think he has every chance to win. I would consider him the main threat to number two, Tappet Trice. They're adding blinkers. He trains well with blinkers on. He really developed uh, this winter at Fairgrounds in Oakland Park. But he hasn't really gotten any better. Uh, I think he's going to need to get better to beat Tappet Trice at this distance. I preferred Angel of Empire at 10 furlongs. I now prefer Tappet Trice at 12 furlongs, which is the distance that is going to be run uh, on Saturday, the last two horses that I'll mention, number four, National Treasure, won the Preakness. He got loose on the lead. I expect him to take more pace pressure from number five, Il Miracolo. Uh, and the last horse that I'll mention that I would probably use underneath is just a very big wild card. Your Florida Derby winner was your Kentucky Derby morning line favorite. Had a foot issue. They had to vet scratch him out of the Kentucky Derby. And then because of the rules, he wasn't allowed to run in the Preakness. Uh, if you took all of that away... I never loved Forte as a Belmont Stakes horse. It's a little bit more of a narrow horse, a little bit more of turfy action that might not want to go this distance. There's a lot of talent in Forte. Can he win, kind of get first run on the field and, and win this race? Absolutely. He's a contender. Don't get me wrong. But at the price that he will be, there is no value there. I don't think this horse is – this isn't the right spot. I never really thought that they intended specifically pointing towards the Belmont Stakes. They pointed towards the Kentucky Derby. He wasn't able to run. Now they're like, all right, let's just try the Belmont Stakes. Mike Rapoli, big Mets fan, big Brooklyn guy, creator of vitamin water. He wants to win at the Belmont Stakes. You know, so they're going to kind of maybe force their hand a little bit and run in here. Again, he can win, but I'm not going to love him at the price. I much prefer the other Todd Fletcher horse in number two. Tap it twice. You got it. Uh, he is Mark DiLorenzo. Giddy up, baby. Getting us all ready for the Belmont. Mark, thank you so much. Really do appreciate you. Uh, that uh, that concludes our show tonight. I want to thank Jimmy Hanlon joining us to talk all things, um, getting you ready, of course, for the, the remaining rounds of the Canadian Open and look ahead to uh, the U.S. opening taking place again at the L.A. Country Club. David Purdom with some insight. Uh, Jeff Hall, who is uh, really uh, the man behind um, the L.A. Country Club, getting the club ready for the U.S. Open, and Andre Snelling's getting us ready for Game 4 of the NBA. I want to thank our producers, Tyler and Rebecca, always do a phenomenal job. I'm back Sunday morning for On the Tee with Anita Marks, right here on 710 ESPN.